Good to be we back. back. Huh? Uh, we, in we in effect. What? 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 We back. Uh, what? We back. Uh, oh, shit. So there's so much going on. Um, and a lot of it's kind of like trivial bullshit that's repackaged. And some of it's like interesting. I don't know. Where do you want to start? Because like there was UASF Day on August 1st this past week. I like and, that you call uh, it UASF Day. I want more people to call it UASF Day. Bitcoin Independence Day is interesting, but UASF Day is what it was. Even yeah. everybody that did USF, UASF, it, it's the fact that it demonstrated that this intolerant minority could move the table. They, they could move where the conversation was happening and force the hands through game theory of malicious actors. All we need is aware sovereign node runners that aren't willing to put up with bullshit. Yep, and one of the problems with not calling it UASF days, like Independence Day, is kind of too nonspecific, and you get Blockstream tweeting, oh, this is Segwit Day. This isn't about UASF, it's well, about I, Segwit. <laughs> in terms of, like, for what it was for most people at the time, they're not wrong. The vast majority yeah. of people did not activate segwit via uasf weren't running uasf code but the fact that it got updated at all with segwit was because of uasf it forced the hand of everybody yeah. else and that's the thing worth celebrating to me not the fact that we got segwit yeah and like that's that's my point is like yes it was about segwit but it really no we shouldn't be celebrating that fact um like that that is the upgrade that happened but the mechanism is actually the important part to to reference historically here and to recognize historically here because like forgetting about what it means to be a node runner and the power in that you as an individual but as a collective of individuals you can like you said force change in um in in an interesting way um i i have hard I have a hard time like describing it. Still. Not even force change, just like incentivize change. It's like, okay, you know what? If you guys are going to hold the system hostage by not allowing innocuous upgrades to go through, we're going to put a gun to the golden goose's head and you businesses better get in line. I don't care if you're exchanges, I don't care if you're miners. We will threaten yeah. your bread and butter because we are here and we know that we're going to be here tomorrow and we know that you might not be if you're not profitable. So... You better get down or lay down. Yeah, and it, it was kind of a combination of factors. It's not like it is that. It's not just that that led to the activation of Segwit. It was a no. lot of like a lot of work it from was a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, people like Sholen Fry, who uh, managed to find a way that all of these different people with different upgrade mechanism desires could coalesce on the same point in day and actually like accomplish an upgrade together. Um, that was a lot of important work. Um, and just, you know, all the people that were involved in educating at the time. I'll be honest, at the time, I was not for UASFs. Um, it took this event for me to understand that this intolerant minority had the power that they do and, and could uh, accomplish things with that power. Um, up until that point, I believed that a UASF was very dangerous. And frankly, that's the predominant view among developers today, quite unfortunately. Um, they view the danger of a UASF in terms of chain state, like uh, the threat of reorgs, the fact that you know US, UASF code d 
deployed, like you can't undeploy that. You don't really have a way of knowing how many people have it deployed. Like minor signaling, people who are in favor of minor activated soft forks believe, you know, is, is a very useful tool. I, I don't think it's that useful. We've seen it, you know, historically not represent at all the code that is being run by miners when they signal for a given thing. Uh, it's basically as, as flawed as voting or anything else. But you know what's not as flawed as voting? Nodes running code. And while you might not be able to measure it, and it might create threats that, you know, the, the chain could fork because people made mistakes or they don't know what they're doing, it is the only way to assure the sovereignty of the ecosystem and make sure that it's not captured by regulators, companies, or otherwise. Totally agree. Um, so going forward, like looking, looking back, it's important to remember everything that happened and kind of also not not idealize it too much either because it was complicated and it was like a back and forth um unholy alliance is one term that <laughs> has been thrown around and i i kind of agree with that because like the goal was okay let's activate segwit and everyone was on that page on either side even though they disagreed with the activation method um so and, and so it, it was kind of like a perfect storm in that respect Going forward, though, there there may be some misunderstanding um, or maybe um, idealism in the Bitcoin community about what UASF means um, for any future upgrade or blocking of an upgrade like a USRF, a user-resisted soft fork, in order to prevent a soft fork that people disagree with. These are like this is getting interesting when we um when we get into games like this for future and it's uh, all upgrades. more to the point of you know invalidating the position of of many core developers I'm sorry to say all due respect invalidating the position that you know chain state safety is the be all end all there's no way to protect that and you weren't protecting it in the first place it was an illusion you didn't have that protection and you learned that when you found out that miners weren't signaling accurately, you learned that when you saw miners doing things like this covert ASIC boost and were uh, manipulating the narratives and otherwise, you know, controlling the upgrade process. So it's just not something that we can tolerate in the future. And I'm very disappointed to see things like Speedy Trial have come forward and find success because I think that that's the exact opposite direction. I feel like that's the response of the core developers who are, who are actually terrified of what they saw with the UASF. And that's why they're calling it things like Segwit Day now. They still are terrified of UASFs for these state-related reasons, for these inability to account for who is even running the code reasons. Um, but the truth is you just got to accept that uncertainty because you already have that uncertainty and you're just deluding yourself thinking you don't. Isn't it weird how they're afraid of it though? Like, no, I don't think not... it's weird at all. Like, I, I shared that view at one point, and I, yeah. I wanted to protect the state. Forks are bad. Forks are dangerous. Forks are, are businesses losing money. They're danger to users, especially naive users, and especially They're... users that don't yeah. run nodes. They're disruptive. They're dangerous to a lot of people and a lot of money, and especially when you think about the fact that uh, a lot of development is funded by the companies in this ecosystem, and I think that that's great, mm -hmm. but their incentives aren't node runners incentives their priorities aren't node runners priorities the forks that they want aren't the forks that we want and again we saw that in the block size wars if this is a new subject to you please check out the book the block size wars it goes over this in pretty significant detail but the reality is is that 
miners and exchanges were trying to push the scaling burden of Bitcoin onto node runners. And so they would have higher bandwidth costs, higher storage costs, and higher processing costs. And every new user that wants to use Bitcoin as a node runner, which every user should do, is it's the only way to be trustless. Every new user has to go from block zero to the current block and do all of that validation and now all of this ordinal bullshit and all of this whatever. Can you even imagine the shit that would be in our blockchain today if we had those uh, just bumped up the block size, like just raw bump up of it? Yeah, it would be... Four megabytes, eight megabytes, whatever. Well, they ended up going for. I mean, we had Uh, um, Gavin at one point saying, what, 32 MB was what he wanted? (laughs) And that's what he ended up, I think, going to the shit coins with. 8 MB for certain was in in clients at the time of the end of the block size wars. 8 MB was what they wanted. So, like, and we did raise the block size. That was the compromise. Like, I want to keep the network as big as possible for me because the network effects of Bitcoin are where many of its valuable properties for come from. So like people UASFing, they have a lot to lose too. Node runners, when they're deciding what fork they want to be on, what code they want to support, there is a lot on the line for them. They don't they don't do it willy-nilly. You want to be on a network that's not just yourself because a network by yourself is useless. That's why Luke Juniors me... hasn't forked off ten years ago. <laughs> You know? Let me ask you a question. Do you think do you think that compromise to raise the block size was appeasement um, or both a compromise and appeasement? Should like was was that like an original sin? I think that there are honest actors doing their best with the knowledge that they have that believe that a block size increase is the best thing for them. I think that those actors span everything from end users who think that block size is capacity to businesses who don't want to optimize, don't want to adopt new technologies and tools. They want to simply spam P2PK shit on the chain to gamble or do whatever the hell else they want infinitely. And then there's devs who, you know, I just disagree with and don't think that they appreciate how the 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 faults of a of a masp and that uh, many of the okay. things they say are detractions of a uasf are in fact the same uh, for a mass i mean that doesn't doesn't really answer the question maybe i wasn't too clear with oh, the question ask either, the question but... again well like there, there's this idea that we should have never raised the block size as a compromise um with the big blockers like that was a bone we threw to them like going from two to four or it might have been one to four actually um who are we talking so, about when we say big blockers though is it just anybody who wanted a block size increase because that's the sure yeah because well like yeah there was a there was, at the time it was a considerable like a large camp of people that was significant enough to recognize and like oh okay you know, maybe we can, like, Moore's Law is working out. We we can probably do four megabytes. Like, this was the logic, I think. And it was also like, let's throw them a bone and maybe they'll activate it. Um, I mean, quite frankly, uh, probably so. can. And, you know, it's just a matter of, are you willing to put up with the fact that every new user has to has to go through this? And, like, you're increasing the onboarding costs for eternity uh, in terms of, like, people that want to download and verify the entire chain. And I know there's all manner of ways that you can do different kinds of verification on the chain without downloading all of it, whether it's zero sync, whether it's, you know, 
compact block filters or whatever the hell else you want to use, but a full node with the entire blockchain executing consensus on what chain they want is the gold standard and should be the default for running Bitcoin. And it's how we need to think about scaling. Right. And on that point is why I'm, I'm wondering about this question that I'm asking about the original sin I think or that was it a compromise? I think everybody's a blo big blocker. I don't think that there are, really? there's like maybe 20 small blockers. Like there's no small blockers. Every, everybody wants. Well, that doesn't matter. I don't, I don't care about numbers of, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in is the, does the position make sense? And like, I don't, I don't care in a frame who, of and... mind or like, like a frame of reference from, from certain perspectives, it would make sense to raise the block size. Um, and we did raise the block size and I'll be honest, I, I was for it. Um, I'm still for it. I like SegWit. I think that it's a responsible way to raise the block size, which puts a discount on scripts. Am I quite angry that the script discount is now being abused by pieces of shit? Yes, I am, but I still wouldn't get rid of it. I think that we probably don't want to increase the block size more than we have already. Interesting, because I, I can foresee a future where this becomes contentious and you have like two different different camps where, where you might actually get like a couple different kinds of Bitcoin for a bit where you, you get like a small block Bitcoin just to squeeze out all of this spam and you get like a big block Bitcoin where you get yeah, like CTV all the on it and all this other stuff. The problem, Fitch, is that the world doesn't have a majority, a super majority of hash power for three different Bitcoins. This is why all shitcoins are scams. Like, there's only really the one. You you can only have one super majority of all SHA-256 hashing power. Well, that's world. my question then. Like, wh where does the hash rate go? Because that's like an appeal to authority kind of thing. But it does matter. It really does matter oh, where in, the hash rate goes. It's the security of the ecosystem. It is the economic is. Yeah. security of the ecosystem. It's not It's not the decentralized security of the ecosystem. Nodes are responsible for that. And push comes to shove, you know, we can, as we discussed, incentivize miners. Or even if miners are engaging in sustained attacks, we can even <laughs> cut them entirely off. But that is like cutting off a limb. That's like cutting off two limbs. It's, it's like saying, I'm going to be going around in a wheelchair for a while. Yep, I realize that. Um, so there's an incentive yeah. to want to, as you would put it, compromise with whatever, you know, the network effects are. Um, and that's, I think, why, for example, like I was saying, Luke Jr. is here. Like, I don't think that Bitcoin in its current code perfectly reflects Luke Jr. And I'm sorry to speak for you, um, but I don't think it reflects what he wants just based on what he talks about. I, I think that it's a compromise for him when he runs Bitcoin. It is something he can accept that, you know, gives him the properties that he wants. And I feel the same way. Bitcoin isn't exactly the code that I want. I would knit here and there. And yeah, maybe maybe block size is one of those things that I'd tweak. Probably down maybe a little bit. Or like I'd, I'd change the weighting. I'd maybe constrain. Oh God, see now here we get into a... As soon as you start <laughs> constraining scripts, which is, was what I was about to say. Because um, oh I want to fight. I don't like these ordinals and shit. Um, yeah. But then you get back to like an is standard kind of landscape, which is something that we escaped a long time ago. And I, you know, you don't want to go back to. Uh, it's it's a it's a confusing and difficult position trying to 
get rid of these shit coins on Bitcoin, there's a point where you have to accept that, you know, that they're an inevitability. They've always been an inevitability, and they've always been here. Ordinals and shitcoins on Bitcoin are not new, not even close to new. Um, so combating them is kind of more of an emotional endeavor, and I've just got to kind of like put it in the well, back. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that framing because a lot of the time, the pushback is um, that I hear is, okay, we can't prevent these from happening. I agree, absolutely, but you can increase the cost. Yes, there I'm on board. Yeah, I'm a thousand percent with you right now, and the what I'm talking about is like there needs to be a solution for this abuse of, for example, if operations in Bitcoin script where you can just like put a put an empty if and load the whole thing with arbitrary. Well, not only that, let's 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 take the lowest hanging fruit on this issue, and that's bare multisig these stamps. Oh yeah, get they, rid of it. They are they should be default. Um, like. In Bitcoin Core, the default policy should be to exclude those from your mempool. A thousand percent. And, and so on. And that is being considered right now. I hope it passes. There is, a, there is a PR open for it. So. But see, this is just node policy. And like... Yeah. I, I A lot no, of people... It matters a lot right now because the defaults are what people go with. And so like, for that reason, I have a problem with the concept of there being defaults. I think that there should be a process when you launch Bitcoin Core, as there is kind of the infancy of and has been developed in the last couple of years, you know, almost like a wizard. You want to prune your node, they've got that. You want to, do you want to support these kinds of things that consume your system resources for NFTs and, you know, other things? Oh, I totally agree, issues? but we have to contend with the reality as it is. And well, as, the reality is, as it is, such, is we've got these flags to turn all this shit off, but users don't know about sure. how to use them. Oh, yeah. And that's the reality at the moment. So, like, so, how do we educate yeah. if not, like, at the start, at first run time, like, in that little wizard thing? That's where we should be having users set their defaults. It's your defaults, not the core dev's defaults, not my sure. defaults, not, not anybody's, but you, the person running the node. And that's the, the kind of design philosophy direction difference I'd like to see core make. And one of the things about all these defaults is like, I don't think there's even, is there documentation within Bitcoin Core when you run it as a GUI or in CLI? Like, can you search for these terms and what they mean? There's a sample with, any. I'm pretty certain of that. Yeah. Like, do you have to, how hard is it to figure out, you know? So you well, have to go to know. a third you, party you source. No, like it's on your, it's on your, it's in the Git. Like, it's part of the okay. code you download. Uh, okay. I feel like... I even think it's part of the, um, you know, installed package. I'm pretty certain. Really? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty certain I, that a, 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 an example file is there for you to fill out. I, I don't know enough about it, but my feeling is like, okay, you, it's, it's mostly in the release notes that you figure these things out. Yeah. And that's... You know, that's maybe the feature you're looking for is like in a release note from like 10 versions ago. So it's it's this whole thing where I, I want it in one place and I want it all very explicit. It is fairly um, explicit, to be fair. Like it's well commented, you know, you'll get a paragraph of comments for every single setting describing what it does and what its values are. Um, and that's where you should be going, really, not the release notes, which is why, you know, these example files exist. I just don't think that most users are pre 
browsing through their example files oh, no the code contents. no so like let's they don't bring even that know. information into like a gui somewhere and shove it in front of the face and make them make selections or press buttons that say i don't fucking know and yeah. then you know move from there i agree yeah all very interesting did you see the the block stream tweet and uh, luke jr's response to it i don't use twitter i've never used oh it's, it's whatever on, it is i have no idea it's on noster it's on noster i don't use that either oh well it's you don't have to have a, an account to view it that's the nice thing you don't have to see that's hilarious that's why i don't use it there you go <laughs> like you can't have the things they're claiming to have and have it not require you to run shit <laughs> like a node like anything like have you seen the the Human Rights Foundation's bounties yeah, and the ones specifically yeah. revolving around things like Noster and and all of them basically are are saying develop situations of trust, rely on <laughs> on these trust other people's nodes and other other people's things, and it like drives me crazy. Why why? Who's directing the HRF to do this? Whoever you are, f- fuck off. <laughs> Well, I think it's non-technical people. Um, no, it's very technical people. It is incredibly technical people that are doing it. And they've, they're doing it with, with modern UI software development principles in mind. They're thinking about UX and accessibility from that standpoint, as opposed to accessibility from like deployment standpoints and features standpoint. And like is, For example, I would love to see uh, development of a simple package that a user can install that includes a, a mesh net a relay chat application uh that's fully you know encrypted end to end and uh bitcoin services i think that that as a de- like a, a deployable that you could just send wherever offline hook up to satellite anchors boom you've just created the revolution's resistance because bitcoin is going to be involved and has been involved in many kinds of coups and revolutions and things of this degree and they always shut off your internet so that to me is a huge area of concern why don't we do that instead of make chum and e-cash on noster human rights foundation why, why don't we do that yep uh yeah, I'm not. I'm not a fan of this um, eCash stuff because it, it all seems like custodial bullshit. Where you're, it, it's pretty much federated, small federations that can rug pull users and rehypothecate oh, federations. And I swear to God, if I go to another local meetup and I hear some asshole tell me that Fediment is the future, I'm gonna slap somebody. <laughs> I'm gonna slap a motherfucker. You want to go from decentralized state machine, economic state machine? You want to go from it's full sovereignty, the kind of sovereignty previously only available to nation states. You want to go from that to a fucking federation? Get the fuck out of here. This is not how you scale shit. And from a fucking yeah. private company nonetheless. Who the hell? It's these, some Twitter idiots are listening to some influencers somewhere that have been paid off to shill this shit. And it's entering my oh. ears and I don't want to fucking hear it no more. That's what it is. Like there, There's a VC Bitcoin arm that is kind of pushing this stuff because they're invested in it so this is their uh maybe money maker and it's yeah it is what it is um i'm not really uh interested in it it's kind of kind of whatever oh i'm beyond not interested in it i'm i'm, I'm actively annoyed 
that it keeps getting brought to my attention at this point. If I have another Bitcoiner try and ask me like, oh, but it's on Bitcoin, that makes it good, right? Like, uh, nope. No. Nope. You have to, when you're in Bitcoin, you have to apply the exact same process of understanding what is and is not a scam that you apply to know that altcoins are a scam in Bitcoin itself. Because there are so many of these scam companies, so many of these scam products and services that are eager to take your Bitcoin, degrade your trust properties, degrade your sovereignty, and otherwise profit off of you. And if you're not looking for it in the exact same way, they're going to get you. And this is a loss of innocence that every Bitcoiner goes through. Like, okay, you go from shitcoins to Bitcoin only. Good. That's a great first step. Okay, now you got to go from all these bitcoin companies are not bitcoin companies they are That's trying to be third-party middlemen they are trying to extract uh sats from you in any way shape or form and they they do it in in a way that disempowers you from the properties that bitcoin gives you and empowers you with uh, zell sovereignty and trustlessness peer-to-peer relationships and commerce so i don't know it's um it sucks because it's like okay, two steps forward, or no, one step forward, two steps back. <laughs> we removed we we removed third party middlemen with Bitcoin, the white paper. Great. Okay, now we're reintroducing the middlemen, and um, it seems like the masses on Twitter are really falling for it because they don't. The masses they everywhere don't, are like all yeah, of the, the true, Bitcoiners true, true. are like on Reddit. They don't even know better. Here. They don't know better. It's like we haven't been in in a paradigm where you're a self-sovereign, peer-to-peer functionary. We're used to trusting people and outsourcing to to people. So, like, it's, I don't know, it's it's hard to fight against that nature when it's it's very ingrained. And it scales. It fucking scales humanity. Um, It's it's very easy for people to fall into that as well. Because a lot, like you were saying, the loss of innocence and learning curve, you know, a lot of people come in at the very start of that with, oh, I'm going to make money on Bitcoin. And then if you want to make money, adoption's good. Businesses advertising for you is good. People using their Bitcoin businesses is, is good. That's all people buying and using Bitcoin. That's the price going up. And then even as people realize, you know, that's not really what it's about. Bitcoin replaces metalmen. They've still got this positive association and relationship with all of these businesses in the back of their head. And they're not, there's a cognitive dissonance at play where people simultaneously understand middlemen are bad, but then parade Bitcoin companies that are middlemen around like they're the second coming of Jesus Christ and they're going to you know, be the best thing that has ever happened to Bitcoin. When in fact, it's literally the exact opposite. Yep, and they're like, they're ascribing these Bitcoin companies as Bitcoin. So it is a bit of like an affinity scam in some ways. Um, somewhat comparable to shitcoins. But maybe a little better, because like, oh, okay, they're they're using Bitcoin proper as a company, but they're they're kind of like they're not empowering you with the final um, self sovereignty solution. They're they're stepping in the way and being like, we'll make it easy for you. We'll we'll set it up. We'll do this everything for is you. The fundamental <laughs> lie, and I'm so embarrassed of how many people in this community and every community of Bitcoin that I've been to fall for it. It's that Bitcoin's difficult. They're trying yep. to convince you that it's harder than it is because then you'll use them instead of Bitcoin. Sure. And maybe, maybe they're right for some people. 
I, I do Bitcoin's have to not admit for that. everybody, but you don't fix that by ruining Bitcoin. <laughs> so I got a good example. Um, there's two companies in Canada right now that don't know they're competing with each other, but they're they're releasing these products basically to be um, like lightning nodes for uh, lightning nodes and lightning liquidity providers in terms of fiat for retail um, and is, merchants. Uh, these were the ones that were open node like. I remember uh, what what was one yes. called. Mm, maybe, should I say? One, oh one, no, one I, I've called... been I've been calling them out pretty publicly. I just kind of okay. have to go look up the name. <laughs> I kind of like them, so I don't I don't want to bash on them too much. But one of them is called Nodeless, and um, oh, I don't know them. No, that's a, it's a pretty new one. They're actually open sourcing, which is nice. Um, and there's another one that's more private called OneBitcoin.ca, and both of them seem to want to be a merchant solution. Which I'm all for, like uh, merchants. Yeah, they, they, um, they do need. They need liquidity. They we know they, that. They need, yeah, they need liquidity, and they also don't want to spend the time on accepting Bitcoin and learning all the all the nuances of that, because they have a business to run. So, like, they're used to outsourcing their payments to Visa, Mastercard. Um, they they want a better solution that doesn't cost as much because if you're if you're providing liquidity in terms of fiat for lightning maybe you're taking a one percent cut with credit cards you're taking like a three percent cut so hey you're you're gonna save two percent on those fees um that's a pretty simple sell see that's um, funny because you mentioned these two companies neither of these two were the one that i was thinking you were talking about yeah so well, there's, there's a, a third lot. here yeah. in canada called coinos Coin OS, yeah, yeah, I've heard of them. Coin OS, I got into yeah. it pretty good with good. Uh, one of one of <laughs> one of their folk. Um, yeah, I just don't, I don't feel like this is the way to do it. If you have liquidity yeah. needs as a business, you should be using services like LN Pool, um, where you can buy liquidity in a in a trustless way, and from a company, from a centralized service provider. This is something that a lot of Bitcoiners, maybe they just don't get yet. I don't know. But like Bitcoin enables trustlessness in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that it can can use that is to increase your protection as and safety as a consumer, where you don't have to trust the company so much. So even though you may be using a centralized service, like an exchange, let's say, uh, you maybe don't have to trust them as much because you hold two out of the three keys to the wallet. And you can track that your coins are held separately and perfectly because you, you have the coins or the keys to those coins. And frankly, this is how Coinbase used to work. It was a service called Coinbase Vault. It was something that was in their early days and they got rid of it because if they do that, then they can't fuck around with your money. So it's interesting you mentioned that because Nodeless has this policy where they require their merchants to give them their payout lightning address so that they're constantly settling the balance that they receive from payments for a product so i i go in i buy a donut for a million sats or something that million sats goes to no the nodeless um lightning node 
Yeah. And then they immediately transfer it to the merchant's lightning address, whether that's custodial or hopefully non-custodial. I don't understand. If the merchant yeah. has the liquidity to accept an inbound lightning payment of that amount, why are they using Nodeless at all? They don't have the the channel set up. Like but they must they if they if there is a route from the right. end user to Nodeless, from Nodeless to the merchant, that's a route. Yeah, and so the implication is they're probably using a custodial wallet. Yeah, it, it would make sense if it wasn't Lightning, if they're saying, like, oh, we deposit it to yeah. your Bitcoin address when it reaches a certain threshold. Right. Um, or immediately. Yeah, that would make Which sense to me. But like, may yeah. be the case, but I, I haven't used them. I just, this is what I hear. Yeah, I know so nothing they, about this. I don't yeah. know how this is a fair representation of how Nodeless works or not. I'm just listening to this guy called Fiat. <laughs> and I'm getting this secondhand from someone else, so okay, who knows? Okay, well, then probably unreliable. I'm, I'm going to assume that the intelligent way to do this is to send it to an actual bitcoin address yeah final on-chain settlement and then that's that's you know that's a fine way to do things that's using bitcoin in this case lightning's immediate payments and the fact that bitcoin can be used offline and you can immediately track that to at that point you're accepting bitcoin through a middleman but you're custodying the keys that's a huge step forward over a lot of these solutions like open node yeah, I just see this happening more and more. You're going to have these kind of middlemen. We're going to make it easy for you, solutions. See, and, and, and why can't we just make it easy for ourselves? And the answer is we can and we do. We just don't advertise it because we don't have a budget. If we don't, we're not a company. We, just like, yeah. we have all these tools for giving merchants liquidity and for helping them manage their nodes intelligently and even automatically. Um, it just it does take a little bit of reading. It takes a little bit of learning. But I earnestly believe that anybody can do that learning. For example, a BTC Pay server accepts Lightning. It's, it's a point-of-sale terminal for Lightning. It's self-custodial. Yeah. You can hook it up to an exchange, and you can even convert to fiat in real time as you need. The trick is, is you have to understand enough to know how to, for example, get a host, a web host, uh, and potentially go through a one-click install and then configure it. And the configuration part, just like configuration Bitcoin, requires some some understanding of what the values are and how, how this works. Time. It yeah. requires time. People it don't have does. it. People don't have time. Also, thinking is hard. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's yep. sweaty. I think there is an opportunity for like a uh, non-profit here to kind of maybe guide people in a non-custodial way. Um, like, here's how to install BTC Pay server, here's a best practice, uh, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I just very don't... interesting. Uh, yeah. I, there's no, not be... many Bitcoin nonprofits, though, is there? No, that's yeah. because of the nature of the system is everybody's here for profit. It's, it's like they've been drawn <laughs> by the incentive of Bitcoin in the first place, right? And yeah. they see... Honestly, they don't see Satoshi signs in their eyes when they get here. They see dollar signs. They're like, yep. how is Bitcoin going to make me dollars? And I make yep. dollars with a company. Bitcoin company. I'll double dip. And they're, Maybe, they do yeah. really well. Like, honestly, they make so much money because of the hype and the scams and the outrageously dishonest business practice. But it's exactly as you so succinctly put at the start. It is abusive 
it's it's middlemen inserting themselves into Bitcoin when Bitcoin's no middlemen. It's you. We got rid of the middlemen, and the very first thing we did, add them back. <laughs> that's a, that oh that that's God. works on two levels because uh, it's a pun yeah. because Adam Back likes to build middlemen. Yeah. Yeah. He's. Um, I find him infuriating sometimes. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for Adam, uh, but I think that he is a great example of someone who's built a company that is profiting off of Bitcoin, and he does it in the name of, you know, the ends justify the means. We're funding development. We're doing all this good work. Like, how can you look at the code we're writing and the contributions and not appreciate it? And I do, and it's fantastic in a lot of cases, not so much in others, but the reality is, is he's selling blockchain to businesses as a service. And that's a fucking scam. Mm. You know how I know? I've done it. You know how <laughs> I know? I'm fucking computer literate and I understand a blockchain doesn't scale. I understand that stacking a thousand blockchains on top of each other doesn't make it scale better. You know what does scale? Off-chain. Y you know what we are? We're a FOSS ecosystem. You know, you know what decentralization means it means not federated and that's what liquid for example is it's what blockstream services are so you wouldn't say they're like a layer two i oh well, i mean they're a layer two shitcoin <laughs> liquid is a shitcoin it, it yeah. is a federated blockchain as a corporate service where people print shitcoins and is itself a shitcoin. It's a shitcoin platform. That's the, I, I don't. You can't simultaneously hold the view that altcoins are shitcoins and that liquid isn't. Yeah, this is the problem with language. Like you can just paint something as a word, blockchain, whatever, and like it just sounds good. This but specifically, bullshit. yeah, it's buzzword. So getting specific about what things are and the trust trade-offs of everything. There's liquid federations or uh, cash, what is it, eCash tokens, Fediment. Um, like these are imperfect and they're, they're not as good by a mile, by a country mile, as Bitcoin proper, uh, as Lightning, as on chain Bitcoin. And like, okay, so we want better solutions that scale. Uh, okay, fair. I guess there, uh, what was that one in the pipeline by uh, Rock? Um, it's like a new layer two lightning oh, solution. He was making Arc. And, yeah, Arc. Uh, it didn't pan out like, because he didn't yeah. fully consider it. Which which happens. It, I mean, no no fault yeah. to him. It's just how it works. It same, needs covenants. It needs CC. Same happened with, speaking of covenants, you know, O'Brien, you know, pe getting people all excited about Op Vault, and then it turns out, oh, you know, we need some CTP-like <laughs> yeah. equivalent for this. And But frankly, this is just yeah. how it is as a developer. You know, we want to talk about what we're working on, not only because it leads us to these conclusions, but it it's, mm -hmm. it's, helps motivate us. Um, I know that, like, Symphonic, who just released a, a fantastic service for uh, editing and viewing transaction files, really cool drag and drop editor at uh, what was that URL it was a bitcoin tech dot wiki and uh, it's a really cool little tool I encourage you to check it out again that's a bitcoin tech dot wiki um, and it I guess was born out of her need to edit transactions 
just quicker than manually, and this is what we got. But during development, um, they were very vocal. They it, it helps motivate, it helps troubleshoot, it helps get design decision feedback. Um, even if the idea is malformed, that's what you do. And that's how you end up finding out it's malformed. So I can't fault any of these devs for coming up with, you know, something like Arc that maybe isn't a, isn't something that's going to work and kind of like building it up and thinking about it and bringing it into the community more. I'm going to see if I can play this video for everyone. I'm not sure if it's working, so I'm just going to play it and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. Hey, everyone. Over the last few weeks, I've been working on a new tool, which hopefully has some use for many Bitcoiners. Today, I'm happy to introduce the beta release of a second-generation visual transaction editor available to use online at bitcointech.wiki. Using this tool, you can load existing transactions, outputs, and addresses from the Bitcoin blockchain. You can then create new transactions and outputs and connect them together to create a variety of possible spends. You can then use the built-in script editing tools to create complex spending conditions or redeem existing ones. Finally, you can finalize transaction and output data values and then export your transactions in PSBT format. This tool can be useful for creating complex multi-sig inheritance or security schemes. It can also be used to set custom transaction data your wallet won't allow, or to debug and test L2 protocols and concepts. Additionally, I hope to expand the script editor functionality to allow testing and demos of new soft fork proposals on test chains. I would greatly appreciate feedback from the greater community on this project. If you're interested, you can try out the editor at bitcointech.wiki. Yeah, nice. It looks pretty cool. It's like, oh, it's such nice UX. I'm like, ooh, you can move things around with your cursor. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> God, we talked about that UX a lot, Symphonic and I. She did a good job with it. Very good. Um, what else is going on? Uh, we're trying to get rid of bare multisigs. I think we talked briefly yeah, about that. We're both for that. I, I was even roped into commenting on the PR because, like, someone was saying there's no precedent for this and there's no data on, on um, this uh, parameter as false would reduce spam, and I'm like, ah, no, historically. Historically, we had op return uh, limit. We had that limit added for, um, and it was 80 bytes, and that reduced counterparty spam. So that's an example. Yeah, that's true. So how do you feel about the current discussion about removing the op return 80 byte limit? Uh, I also, I was tempted. No, I'm not. I'm not going to comment on that. I was just more going to. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't do have a position. I, I sort of do and I sort of don't. So um, it's like my still being formed. Yeah, like my uh, my my feeling is that this is going to be just a window for more spam to be added in some different format, whether it's a combination of stamps and ordinals together in some kind of massive op return, and then it, be, it gets marketed as oh this new and improved ordinal bullshit, and it just be it just recycles the whole party one um, no matter what happens they are going to make that exact marketing claim 
regardless of anything. Sure. Like, they're just going to find True. a reason to do it just because they keep working on it. Therefore, it is the new and improved, whatever the fuck. And yep. second, um, like we were talking earlier, it's not about stopping these things from being possible. You're never going to do that. And if you could, it would be problematic. It's about making them pay what they owe. You got to pay what you owe, bitch. You got to yep, pay yep. what you owe. And <laughs> Opportune makes them pay four times as much. Right. Um, and is there, okay. And also, so here's another thing then going on that line of logic. Uh, bear multisig is apparently also very fucking expensive. So like, what what the fuck? Maybe we should be pushing people to. But we don't do want to push instead. inefficient things just because they're expensive. The idea is mm -hmm. that like, I I don't know. It sounds like you think that if we maybe allowed an expansion of the opportune bytes, that it would create more demand for these things. Is that mm -hmm. right? I'm not saying demand, maybe, yes, yeah, I'll go with that, sure. That's a simplification, but yes. Well, I, yeah, I, I just look at it as a case of, like, there's this supply of box space, and there's this demand of people that want to shove horrible shit in it. And you're saying that giving them more space in off returns is potentially more more demand. No, you're, 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 it's a phenomenon of novelty. Oh, there's this new fucking the the the, the Bitcoin devs removed a limit. Get your fucking big ass overturns in there. <laughs> that is the reaction. That Gordon is the reaction that will... makes the correct point that you know if they're doing something appropriate like linking data to an anchor in the blockchain as opposed to shoving it in arbitrarily, an eighty byte limit is generally more than sufficient. So. They, they don't really need these things. And that honestly was the logic in implementing it in the first place, is it promotes good usage practices by devs that are lazy and stupid. Right. It should be in, in the witness. Use the fucking witness. Well, it has a discount. What they did. We, they took your advice yeah. far too literally there, and they, they did that. And now we, I personally don't want them having that discount. I would like to see them not have that discount. I, yes, it's like 4x. Maybe it should be 2x. No, right? see, but I want the scripts to have that discount. I'm more interested in, yeah. like, maybe we can tighten up oh. uh, op-if through a soft fork, oh, for example, that okay. says, you know, uh, we, we can't, like, it has to be syntactically valid huh. uh, code well, that executes in the non-executed okay. portions of the code. I don't that know, sounds like, some, like something. Some constraint sounds... of the rules of those opcodes that are being abused. That sounds very specific. Someone before has said that's kind of like playing whack-a-mole. It is. And like I want to play whack-a-mole. I want to play that game, gnome. Let's play fucking whack-a-mole. There's I'm an argument it. to be made against it. Isn't that a waste of development resources? Like I said, like at the start no, of the sort of it's easy. A... It's the, it's like the code parameter is there for you to. It's right there. Like it's explicitly there. Yeah, Symphonic do, says do we can make this syntactically valid and the issue goes away. And honestly, Opportune is a method of making this syntactically valid as well as making it pay the amount it wants or that it's supposed to pay, which is, you know, the on-chain rate, not a discount. I would be even for adding in a dedicated method that, that pays more. Like right. keep, keep so, the 80-bit Opportune and like let's let's add a Opportune double plus plus that, yeah. I don't know, more <laughs> uh. and so this i totally agree with this proposal let's do it 
but this is like this is probably the most contentious proposal because you got a whole horde of shitcoiners who don't want this to happen. So the test case for this is actually the bare multisig PR, where this is a proxy war. <laughs> the the multisig, the bare multisig PR is a proxy for this issue, and um, it's happening as we speak. So it's the lowest hanging fruit. I think it will be done because David Chow is kind of like oh, I'm. I'm kind of in this direction, which is. Um, or an Andrew Chow. I can't believe I said David. Um, anyways, he's he seems somewhat on board, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but lower low hanging fruit first, and then this higher hanging fruit maybe later, because that is like that's getting to the core of what the degenerates really don't want to have happen. Because then you're they're paying more. Yeah, absolutely. But that's what we want to have happen. We want we want them to pay more. And they should. They really should. Uh, it's it's dangerous. I I wish people. I wish both Noster and Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's calling itself. I wish all these social <laughs> media services weren't revolving around identities, like following people. I think that the social media model of following people is detrimental to a lot of things, including Bitcoin. Uh, discussion because bitcoin itself is is authorityless you're the authority um discussions everybody's equal because everybody's a node runner you know it's there's no elevation of individuals and preaching of up from those individuals to down high or from on high down um even though i certainly like to pretend that's what i do sometimes uh it's antithetical to bitcoin the way these social media services are set up that is the ideal, but I don't know. In reality, we have all these, I hate saying this, thought leaders. Fuck that. You should hate e- saying that. Influencers. Influencers. We, we, and they're a cancer E-celebs. to the ecosystem. They're a cancer to the ecosystem, and they cause immeasurable harm, whether it's Plan B, whether do. it's Sailor, whether it's these Some fucking Some of them educate, coiners. though. It's the I don't give a shit sword. if they do it. I don't give a fuck if you're Adam back. I don't give a fuck who you, <laughs> Jack Mauler's. You're causing harm by creating a cult of personality around yourself. You want to educate? Start a fucking PHPBB forum. You you want to educate? Do it on equal ground. Don't elevate your voice and have everybody listening to you. They're not educators, though. They're, they're businessmen. They're That's here to exact, monetize. Exactly but. right. And so like, this is part of the abuse that I'm describing, of, of the nature of these social media platforms and how they harm Bitcoin. And we see how they harm Bitcoin all the time in, for example, Fediment and these VC actors and they're pushing this agenda. We see it in the block size wars and these corporations trying to influence the way that we even run Bitcoin. So there's so many issues at play here in terms of how this social media structure is harmful to Bitcoin, let alone the rest of our lives, our politics, our culture, our everything else. It's just cancer. Uninstall it. Get rid of Twitter, get rid of X, get rid of Noster, get rid of all of these follower-based social medias. Do it today. What do you think? What kind of model works then? Just like pseudonymous? Just pseudonym- discussion forums, and... man. Just topic-aggregated yeah, topic discussion. There's a whole generation that does not have a have a, an attention span for that. <laughs> it's like TikTok videos, five second TikTok videos, and 
shorts and whatever oh and you want to talk about the kind of damage that that does that's also very damaging to bitcoin when bitcoin or this is why people say it's too difficult the lie isn't that it's too difficult is isn't that it's difficult it's that people have no attention span anymore that they can't sit down and read a config file which is why even installing they can't sit down and, and walk through the wizard like that's beyond their attention span so or a book People aren't oh, reading books anymore. Beyond. <laughs> we're, we're so far beyond people not reading books. Yeah. It's a problem. Um, we have huge societal and cultural problems involving how lazy we've become. <laughs> and Bitcoin requires you to not be lazy is the problem. And there's no solution to that. You can't fix that. You have to fix the culture. You have to educate. That's the only solution I see. If you try and make Bitcoin lazy, you've removed the self-sovereignty. You've removed all the valuable properties that make it Bitcoin. You're doing these things like inserting middlemen, which is Ooh, their own sales pitch. Well, right? that's debatable because like there, there's a lot of properties to Bitcoin. And you still get some of them even if you use it custodially. Which um, ones? I, I challenge you to name a property you get by using of bitcoin using it custodially oh fuck okay you're you're, you're wrong get, it's not your bitcoin. yeah <laughs> you don't you, you don't even get exposure this. to the price yeah, action yeah. you get exposure to an iou from the exchange you're, yeah. you're a creditor okay assuming that the custodian is acting honestly which is a big assumption let's say half of custodians are at are fully uh, um Fully allocated. You can assume all of them are if you want, for the sake of discussion. Okay. It's just like, this, well, in that show, case, in an they're... honest custodian, what properties do you actually have of Bitcoin? In because you're case... trusting the custodian to be in the first place. The fact that you have to say that they're honest. In, in that case, the supply of Bitcoin is still there as it, as it, it has is. Been. Yeah, absolutely. And the exchange and so gets get... the benefit of holding that Bitcoin and that exposure. And they also get the benefit mm-hmm. of being able to fuck their creditors at will through the legal system. Sure, that's a risk factor, but assuming I'm just saying the price uh, exposure is still there to the scarcity factor, and that is like a benefit of Bitcoin that a lot of people value. Is it um, though? Is the price is is the price exposure there for you? It's only there for you in the instance that everybody does remember, everything you hope they do and that remember we're assuming a, a good faith custodian that yeah. isn't going to run i understand but like okay so a good faith custodian there's a fork what's your good faith custodian do this is a it's not scenario. your pick well no it's this it's a, a it's a constant scenario. real it's the scenario you have to be thinking about if you're saying i want to I be involved in here. bitcoin what bi- what is point, bitcoin and I? what do i want the property that I'm talking about is the scarcity factor. You still get that exposure, even with a custodian, assuming the custodian is a good faith actor. That's fucking nonsense. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> if it's I'm the sorry, custodian's Bitcoin, you don't hold any Bitcoin. You are what you're gaining. The price exposure you're talking about is in the form of a credit-based IOU. So you're, what no. you're talking about is the value of yep. IOUs and derivative products, which has nothing to do with Bitcoin. Uh, okay, interesting. That's where you're finding value. Mm. Not in Bitcoin or its properties. Interesting. I'm going to have to think that one over a little bit more. I'm hitting a roadblock. 
You're probably right, like most I'm times. Never right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reminded of that on a daily basis. <laughs> And I'm sure that many, many people, especially developers, will tell me how wrong I am today about this. About all of this. That's kind of what happens. Yeah, well, they can fuck off. (laughs) I I have a lot of respect for these people, but, like, to me, respect doesn't mean don't fight with me. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... I don't know if I do anymore, because I feel like a lot of these arguments are just incoherent sometimes. Like I can they... usually see their perspective. They're not dumb people. They're not outright malicious I know. in most instances. And in the cases they are, they do lose my respect. But Yeah, I, I also agree. But the, I don't know. The, there's a style of argumentation I don't respect, where it's just like you're bouncing around from issue to issue, and sure. you're you're like... I don't know. You're not. You're not addressing a, a point. There are the politician style of argument evasion. Um, yeah, I guess there's so. there's a lot of things that people do I don't respect, but I still respect them. Just because somebody does something that like humans are imperfect things. Just because people get in a heated argument about Bitcoin or have a bit of a tizzy on Reddit, Bashko. Uh, <laughs> hey, that was a two way street. You were. You yeah, no, I would love, please, too. please do tell me how it was a two-way street, because from, from my uh, perspective, it most definitely wasn't. It was a completely was two-way. one-way street. Two-way, buddy. Oh, I, I would love you to tell me how. I'm not getting into that. You're you both really lovely should. people. You're both lovely people, and I'm you not going to really get involved. Because <laughs> it's kind of actually the subject that we're talking about, which is why, you know, I bring it up. These dishonest methods of argument or discussion. Mm-hmm as you described in terms of you know political theater or what have you not and they're kind of pervasive and it doesn't mean that you lose respect for the person which is again why i have a lot of respect for bashko he doesn't have any respect for me but i have an enormous amount of respect for him and he does huge amounts of good work i I disagree well i mean if, if he had respect for me then every argument wouldn't begin and end with him insulting me I think that's how you feel. Um, well, it's not how I it feel. Be, it's just an observation. Yeah, it is. Well, it's it, it is how you feel, and and that is valid. Is saying somebody's not being smart a feeling or an observation? It can be both. Um, I'm I'm not in my feels about this, except for to say that I love Bashko. That is a feeling. I <laughs> I think he does great work. Um, he just fucking hates my guts. <laughs> I push his buttons in ways that he doesn't enjoy. Um, I do that to a lot of people, though. That's, and honestly, I think that a lot of Bitcoiners, including folks like Bashko, uh, are so they've been doing this for a decade more, and they're always being attacked on all sides by everybody, even in their own tent. And yeah, it's it's harder to be challenged by someone in your own tent because. Man, we're on the same. I we feel like we're on the same team, and we often are, and it's just it hurts more. I guess it becomes a betrayal almost. Like, yeah. and, and it's not. It's not a betrayal. It's Bitcoin. <laughs> uh yeah. And uh, so the thing that no, we were arguing about was: uh, yeah. is Bitcoin a cryptocurrency? Yeah. And um, uh, my position is that linguistically, it has been misappropriated and become this 
this thing associated with scams and that's what cryptocurrencies are now and that it is incumbent on us uh, for both technical and ethical reasons to distinguish ourselves from cryptocurrency by not calling it that and that's it's a linguistic argument and he he doesn't he says no yeah and this is like this is a perspective yeah i respect both perspectives honestly oh i can respect Um, his perspective too but it's just like when your entire rebuke is you're stupid like fuck (laughs) I, I that, that's, that's not a respectful it. argument to me. That's not an honest, good faith discussion. I don't think he said that specifically. No, he said you, that you're you smarter re- than this. And then he said that yes, everybody who pl- believes what you believe uh, is disingenuous or confused. I would challenge you, Gnome, that maybe that implication was there. And maybe he didn't intend for it to be there. I, well, and then he doubled down on it because the reality is, is he spammed that same response to everybody in that thread. So, like, this is what I mean when I say, like, sometimes people get so involved in being, like, a social media war, and that's what being a moderator is in this space, basically. Um, well, it's a simple... He was... Okay, then, in that case, he was just... He was using a simple a simple rhetorical mechanism. Sure, and, and he could have said that. Instead, he he doubled down on how not smart I am and how well, I'm, he's, I'm confused. He's trying to, he's trying to scale his too. moderation. That's that's him scaling the moderation. It's just like, oh, I'll just have this can reply. And uh, good enough. And, like, fair enough. Like, Oh, yeah, but, like, what happens when, you know, Bitcoiners earnestly and honestly and in good faith want to have discussions disagreeing with mm. you yeah 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 i see that it is problematic because um because there's nothing you know against the rules about anything that i've <laughs> said there's nothing wrong no, with and, saying that bitcoin isn't a currency well our, our bitcoin has a history of being very strict and like the rules um, are made up and don't matter, but they really, really do in terms of whatever the head mods want um, goes. So, like, it doesn't really matter. Uh, and, like, historically, they, it was, this was a necessity. It was like, you have to prune this garden because we have a bunch of attackers in the big block camp spamming the fuck out of the board, and we need to defend against them. Um, and... You know, that's just the style that's evolved on our Bitcoin. Yeah. And it's 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 a hallmark. Um, it's it's carried over to today. And, um, you know, our Bitcoin isn't that relevant these days. It's kind of just a canned board of regurgitated news items. Um, it still has a function. I like to educate it, there. I think that there's a yeah. lot of users there that aren't receiving some of the messages that are important and it's a good place for that symphonics uh asks if this is the appropriate platform to air personal agreements with an individual and uh, the only reason i bring it up is is an anecdote is because i think it's really relevant to the discussion of how we have conversations in the bitcoin space as well as the incidental discussion of is bitcoin a cryptocurrency Yeah, it's a good example, and I'm I'm not afraid of conversations like this. I think they're actually more interesting than a lot of the other conversations, because like this is how we have discussions. And if we can't if we can't talk to each other, then we we got bigger. How problems. do we reach consensus if we can't talk to each other? 
here. And then we just have hard forks all the way down or soft forks all the way down. Yeah. And then we figure it out. At the end of the day, the very first consensus layer in Bitcoin is political. Your node is the last and it's the final and it's the ultimate. But before we get to running different code, like, let's talk. Because we all benefit from the network effects. Like, we should want to stay together and realize the benefits of what we've built. Yep, consensus is valuable. It is, and it's why, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect in everything you want. It has to be good enough. And frankly, Bitcoin is, as far as I see, good enough. Um, which is another reason why people ask me, uh, would, what, would, what would happen if Bitcoin ossified? Like, what, what would we do if we never upgraded? And I'm like, nothing, it's good enough. Like, yeah. would that be ideal? No. I think that we should up evaluate upgrades each on their merit and their risk. Uh, but if it never happened again that we had an upgrade, that'd be okay. Yeah. Yeah, and there's an interesting corollary, corollary to that kind of line of thinking. Is like, at what point, at what upgrade would Bitcoin be okay? And I've heard the answer is like, okay, after SegWit we would have been fine for whatever and maybe that's true but so maybe the even before is at what point would i as an individual or each individual or the majority of individuals be just bitcoin let's forget about individuals let's, let's okay, just so say what, the big but bitcoin like it's a personal bit. it's a personal thing like at what point would mm. a given you can uh, a majority of bitcoiners say that bitcoin was at the point where they would be comfortable not ever having improved it if that was what it came to? Yeah, and I think the answer is after SegWit's activated. I think probably. But but that's kind of... Mm. I do think it's it's individual, just as is running your node. Um, we're all making well, may... a little bit of a compromise. But it's also maybe too early to have an answer for that because we're we're still very early in this thing and we haven't hit scaling challenges beyond like four megabytes yet and we might eventually and there are maybe lifetime. a lot of people that would say that there there isn't they aren't comfortable with where bitcoin is it needs more things before they would be comfortable with it never changing again and that's a perfectly fair answer too yeah and they are they are probably right but i want to know the time scale i want to know when does a problem become acute when see i don't and... know about Again, because I believe that Bitcoin is fun as it is, there is no problem. If if you think Bitcoin needs something that it doesn't have, then maybe that is a problem for you. But again, it's all so relative to the node runner. Each individual node runner has a different idea of what they want. And so to me, it becomes, can what what other people want, can it fit within my risk profile and things that I want? And if it doesn't, they're going to have to fork off to get it. Or I'm going to fork off to keep having what I want and not exposing myself to risk, for example. So this is interesting because, like, you say node runner, and I, I kind of, I, I pretty much 99% agree with that term being used. Like, that is the demographic we should be catering to. Do you, do you, um, what about just end user? Like, I'm not those a node are, runner. As far I'm, as I'm concerned, those yeah. are the same thing. If, if, if you're not running a node, you're not participating in the protocol. That is just... Okay, so people not running a node, not participating in the protocol, but they hold Bitcoin. 
mm-hmm. are do they have should we be catering towards them and their needs they have an economic voice but no it's not our role to cater to their needs their role is to cater to their own needs and because they've delegated that role to somebody else they'll either trust whether it's been delegated effectively or when it hasn't they'll find out and maybe even not have any bitcoin because they'll be on the wrong fork and we saw that happen again during the block size wars people that wanted to be on a given fork the exchange Mm -hmm. didn't support that fork at the time and they were custodial users end users non-node running users um and so that whatever node they were using or business decided what fork they were on and that's the coins they got okay hypothetical uh nodes don't scale in 50 years and it becomes fucking uneconomical to run a node yeah does that does that change like does your answer change then no unfortunately and it's why it's so important that we really consider what we put in the blockchain and how we validate because yeah running a node is really important but as we discussed we have all of these trust trade-offs where you can empower yourself without using a custodian using uh, kinds of nodes that maybe aren't full nodes but have uh, a reduced trust profile that doesn't include for example being on the wrong fork Zero sync. Yeah, I'm like really serious. looking forward to that. Well, zero sync, as we went over with with them, might be one that you do trust what fork they're on, um, just because of the way that it works. Because you're you're validating up to a ch- a chain tip. Yeah. But you didn't decide the tip. Anyways, um, but like, yeah. If you want to know what chain you're on, there's an easy way to do that. Run a node. It's not that hard. Is it going to become inaccessible over time? God, I hope not. If if it does, like I will be doing everything I can to combat that along the way. And I think that's what Luke's doing in his own good faith yeah. attempt. You know, as much as people hate him for it, he wants smaller block sizes because of exactly that reason. Well, this is why I mentioned the tension. Um, before of like a block size reduction or or something weird because oh nodes are no longer viable <laughs> to run for like an average pleb even Thankfully, more so than they, they are now are. i mean like we, yeah. we we've got great work coming out of for example lop uh jameson lop who every right. year benchmarks uh, a bunch of different node softwares and... yeah he has he had a recent article uh, benchmarking the version 24 and 25 and comparing a difference um, in one of the parameters that were changed, um, something about a timeout issue. And he was trying to measure, okay, what's the what's the difference in terms of improvement? And um, there, there wasn't that big a difference, if any, actually, for the change. So sometimes there's huge improvements and sometimes there's really little small incremental ones and sometimes it's more like just groundwork for future improvements. Um, yeah. But the reality is is that if you look at all of his yearly uh, examinations of node sync time, uh, you can Google them, he finds pretty acceptable windows on fairly old hardware to sync, like within 24 hours often on most software. Um, and so we're not at the point you're discussing yet. Is it possible in the future? Yeah. If we reach that point, what are we going to do? We're going to optimize, 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 optimize. 
And really, that's what we're doing already. We're, we're in paranoia of that moment, optimizing, 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 optimizing. At what point would you say that we've achieved that reality where it's no longer a viable thing to run a node? How long would it have to take to sync, and how many resources would you need before it's not viable? Or is it a cost you... function? Uh, okay. Like how many how many I, dollars does it cost to run a node before it's not viable? Uh, I would take the average hardware of a consumer for their desktop or laptop or and phone. multiply or phone and multiply that by two and be like, okay, if a node is more costly to run than that, then it's probably not viable for most people. And obviously, if, if you're talking about in terms of economic viability or say it's like a percent of income, like that's going to be very variable throughout the world. Not everybody can afford. It's already uneconomical for some people to run Node uh, in the context of they simply don't have accessibility to uh, always-on power and always-on... Yeah, um, internet too, yeah. Internet, yeah, exactly. Uh, and even while, while the proliferation proliferation of uh, cell phones is fantastic still not everybody has one and not everybody is able or willing to like I said because of the power issue in part um, run a node on it 24-7 right and like there's there's a CPU issue with a lot of phones and, and syncing nodes so yeah. I, I it's uh, you need like an iPhone to sync a node with uh, that kind of powerful CPU, you can't really do it with a stock phone. Like yeah, you could, yeah, you, but you can't, it yeah, take you a long can. time. Well, no more than like a Raspberry Pi or something. Yeah, it's gonna over. You got to plug in that phone and have fans on it. It's gonna be a hot phone. <laughs> yes. But we'll eventually have like zero sync kind of nodes, so that could be um already we've got you know uh client side block filtering um i think it's 157 neutrino nodes so yeah i, mean, I feel like that should get more education on because like i don't see them anywhere like, I, I hear you, about you see them on mobile phones a lot pretty much every like phoenix is an example oh, really yeah is it a neutrino a neutrino oh so like i don't even know i'm using it yeah yeah <laughs> so like you're living the dream right the bitcoin dream where you don't even need to be aware of of how bitcoin works or what's going on under the hood it just works for you and so yeah phoenix for example uses as far as i'm yeah, i'm positive they use the neutrino nodes because like you manage your own channels right Yep. So it's it's like LND on your phone in neutrino mode. Oh, so that's how that works. Yeah. <laughs> like I was, I'm like, this is magic. I don't know what, what's happening here. <laughs> well, that's what they but, want, right? Yeah, that's good. That's yeah. speaking to well-designed things, I guess. That's cool. Because I was told the other day, I'm like, Phoenix is non-custodial, and someone else responded, it's kind of custodial, kind of non-custodial. I didn't really know what they meant by that, so. I'm, well, what they mean by it is that, I mean, they provide all the liquidity, and they're your sole channel partner. You trust them to varying degrees in various situations. Examples, um, you trust them when you deposit at zero comps. You trust them with swaps between chain and off-chain, and the time between them. Um, and you trust them in certain recovery situations. 
See, that's good disclosure. That's that's really good to know because like these details are rarely talked about or or even understood by anyone. So it's good to know that kind well, of stuff. They don't like it's it's not in their interest really to yeah make it's it like easier here's the disclosure consume. thing like they do let you know this stuff like i mean i had to yeah. learn it from somewhere and i learned it directly from them um but it it is it's obscured data in blog posts about how stuff works right. at phoenix right i just want a big red sign with everything is trade-offs <laughs> that's exactly what, what i want what is to. the thing and so like back to where we started this discussion bitcoin core's wizard setup file system i want big red disclosures describing to me the trade-offs of each setting and its settings yeah that's what i want i want the trade-offs like i want built into my wallets and node descriptions of the risks and features i am enabling and disabling see hrf you should have a bounty for that someone please oh but that doesn't that's not a ui so that doesn't make anything easier for anybody i don't know (laughs) i really don't know i they didn't have anything in there for working on nodes or yeah yeah disappointing it seems that that's never the priority with these people it's kind of like a mass adoption we got to have mass adoption Everyone buy an ETF. (laughs) I think that they just have a very modern software development-centric idea of what accessibility means, which is to say reaching as many people as possible. Yeah, that's fair. As opposed to a human rights-centric view of what Bitcoin and accessibility means, which doesn't mean necessarily reaching as many people possible, but reaching them in a way that allows them freedom, safety, and sovereignty. That's a human rights view of the situation. Just if you want to jot that down, Human Rights Foundation. I I air jotted that down while I said that, just to complete the visual. <laughs> Anyways, I that's a good enough place to end it. We've been going for almost an hour and a half. Yeah, we covered a lot of good issues. Um, um uh if anyone has any questions in the chat, let us know. Otherwise, we'll wrap it up. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Symphonic, CH Tender, Gorange, Gnome, thanks for you know jumping on and doing these with us and me. Uh, appreciate your voice in this ecosystem. Because it's, it's a rare perspective, and it's not heard enough, in my opinion. So keep speaking. And uh, it's good to be back, huh? We in effect. What? <laughs>